This is the podcast of Redemption Bible Church, where applicational preaching is a distinctive of our church. For more information, log on to redemptionfw.org. Thanks for listening. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let this separate, let a, let us separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters and that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God said that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind, on the earth and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw, it, saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. Verse 14, And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of heaven to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God said, saw that, that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures, and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let birds multiply on the, on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock 
according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast on the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning to the sixth day. Chapter 2, 1 verse. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. Thanks, Irv. We got some good scripture readers in our church. Amen. Everyone do this. Take your hand like this, and I want you to put it on that artery right there on your neck, and I want you to feel that for a second. Feel that? Do you know what does that all the time? I, I feel it. And mine's actually good news. It's in rhythm today, so that's really good. If you don't know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, it's actually on the, the first, my uh, heart went into AFib, and then um, on the second, um, I got smart and went to the hospital with my heart and AFib. And uh, about 20 some odd hours later, it finally reconverted to normal rhythm. And I can say coming out of that experience, um, you kind of realize how much you take for granted the fact that your heart beats all the time. And for most of us, it beats and it beats a normal rhythm all the time. And that's a great, great thing. Uh, and, and it's God's perfect plan and it, and it works great. Um, there's all kinds of stuff that we just kind of take for granted. Like I said earlier, this is true. Familiarity breeds contempt. And it's amazing how, how uh, awesome things are that are in our life every day that we don't stop and think how awesome they are, like a beating heart or like this. Right now, um, <clears throat> these little things are owning me like big time right now. These little tangerines, uh, they, are, they are incredible. And they're sweet, they're delicious. Uh, don't tell Courtney, the other night I had like five of these in a row, just boom, 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 boom. And they're so good. And now I know there's some genetic stuff or whatever that went into these particular ones, but, 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 but originally it was God's creation. This delicious fruit with protective covering built right into it. God is incredible. God is amazing. And you need to be amazed at God. And because familiarity breeds contempt, we need to come back again and again and talk about how incredible and how amazing our God is. And this is why we're going back to Genesis. 
starting at this foundation of our theology, and you don't get much more foundational in theology than we're talking about today. How did we get here? How did everything get here? And the way you view that really sets the foundation, the, the ground floor for the rest of your theology. Where you start matters, and often, where you start determines where you end. And so we need to talk about our God and our God of creation today. So a simple big idea today, simple but impactful. Here it is, I will live in awe. I will live in awe of God because of creation. I will live in awe of God because of creation. Now listen, church, there is a very, very important reason we need to do this. A key reason why we today in 2023, you need to live in awe of our God of creation. I'm gonna hold off on that reason until we get to the end, but let's break this down into several key questions. So uh, just simple questions, like uh, question number one, what did God create? What did God create? Uh, well, the seven days of creation are just an amazing story. Irv just read them to us, and you saw all the things that God did. It's easy to read this and to not be amazed at how incredible our God is and what he's done. So let's just take a look at some of these things. I mean, th think about day one. Isn't it interesting it says God created light and darkness? How often are you using light and darkness? You're using them all the time. You're either in light or you're in dark. God created that on one day. It's, it's incredible. Or at day two, God creates the atmosphere. And again, something we just absolutely take for granted. Everyone breathe in. Everyone breathe out. All the oxygen and nitrogen and all the things that you need are there present to keep your body running. And it's absolutely incredible. In fact, did you know this? In one square centimeter of atmosphere or air, do you know that there are over 200, no, 90 million million, 90, I don't even know if that's a number or not, 90 million million atoms in one square centimeter of air. 90 million million atoms. By the way, I try, I try to get Excel to actually like generate that number, and Excel said, not gonna do it, just not, not gonna do it. Little warning came up, not gonna do it. But that's, that's in, it's a huge number. And every atom has a nucleus and protons and neurons, and there are millions of them. Now, by the way, when you get to space, in one square centimeter of, of air up there is a one atom per square centimeter. So it's incredible when God said he created all this. It's absolutely amazing. Think about day three. On day three, what you have on day three is the earth and the water being separated and all the vegetation. And think about how amazing all of that is because in the earth you have these elements and you have on the plants you have all this material and you have all these things from which we have made everything that we use today. It's all come from what God had created on that third day. And, and again, familiarity breeds contempt. It's so easy to just see these things and not be amazed by them. So I just grabbed some things out of my house as I walked up. I grabbed this lighter, and look at that. I just, I just pressed a little button, and it lights in flame. Isn't that cool? And uh, uh, all this, the plastic, the fuel inside of this, the flint that's used to ignite the, the spark to get the flame, all of that, was present 
on that third day. All the elements that were there to make something as simple as this were there on that day. Uh, what else did I grab? I grabbed a remote. Uh, so this is a remote. And I don't know if you have these. We have like remotes that I have no idea why we have them. Are you like this? Like this, this old remote that we never use, but still in the remote basket. But, uh, you know, I can sit in my, my chair and I can point it at the box and it can change channels. And then stuff is coming in from somewhere to put images on that screen for my entertainment. Now, by the way, if you grew up uh, in, you know, the 80s, like I did, uh, I remember when the remote came out. And I was like, oh, that's so incredible. Because uh, I was a remote before the remote came out. You know what I mean? Boy, turn the channel. We had three to choose from and, you know, that was about it. But, but I mean... All the material for everything that's there was, was, was in creation. That's how amazing God is. Everyone reach in your pocket and pull out your smartphone. Because most of you have them. You have in your hand answers to any question you can think about. I don't know what I would do. I often thought about if I traveled back in time and I was back in the 80s, like what I would do. Like I don't know how I functioned before. Well, I wonder what, you know, when the 49ers are playing this week, well, I have to go and find a TV guide and flip through it and find where. Now I just say, hey, Siri, when are the 49ers playing? It's going to answer. And it's just incredible. That's just how, tech, and all of this stuff to give us all the things that we have in creation. God gave us all of that. It's absolutely, absolutely mind-blowing, absolutely incredible. Wood. God created wood on the third day. And uh, you are in a building that has been put together by just cutting a tree down, trimming it up a little bit, and then sticking a bunch of them together, and, and that makes houses, and that makes buildings, and you get the idea. God is so incredible, so amazing. Let's talk about where we at. Third day? Let's talk about the fourth day. What did God created on the fourth day? Sun and moon. The sun. Huge. 1.3 million earths can fit inside the sun. And it's hot. Very hot. What's the, uh, what, what's the high going to be today in Fort Wayne? In the 50s, somewhere in the 50s? Yeah, the high on the sun today, uh, 9,941. Really hot, and yet, come on, at just the right distance from us that we're not cooked or we're not frozen. Scientists call that the, the Goldilocks zone, where it's not too far away and not too close. It's just right. How amazing is that? Very amazing, miraculous, in fact, because God put it there for the benefit of the earth. Absolutely incredible. And then, by the way, just look back at 116 for a second and see this little side note that God puts into 116. So, uh, and God created and made the two great lights, the greater to rule the day, the lesser to rule the night, and the stars. <laughs> like it's nothing. Do you know in the Milky Way galaxy, there are over 10 million stars in the Milky Way galaxy alone? And then we launched the Hubble telescope to discover there's about 125 billion galaxies in our universe. And you do that math, and it's 200 billion trillion. They've got to be making this stuff up. 200 billion trillion stars. 
And Genesis says, and the stars. Incredible, amazing. Day five, God creates all living things. And we can talk for hours about the amazing creation of God and the living things that he created. I, I, I got down this rabbit trail when I'm sermon prepping. Sometimes you do this, and I'm just watching all these videos of all these deep sea creatures that have been discovered recently. And uh, so I just chose one. Uh, this is the bloody belly comb jellyfish. And uh, this, this thing exists. This is an actual thing that is in our seas, and it is incredible. It is uh, red because most sea creatures can't see red, so it's perfect camouflage. It just kind of folds into the background. But then it moves with these, it's called teams, of eight teams, and they are literally at this row of lights. And as it moves, these things light up with all the colors of the rainbow. It is just beautiful and amazing and just so small of a portion of what God created on that day. And you know that I could just keep going on and on and on and on. Our God is a God, is an amazing creator. In fact, what's really interesting when you watch these scientists talk about these different creatures, how often they talk about, well, this little guy was designed this way, and he has a really interesting design, and using the word design, and you're like, yeah, to get design, chief, you have to have a designer. And how could you look at creation and not see the incredible, incredible creator, the designer of God? But not just seen in creation, church. He formed you. Here's Psalm 139. Check this out. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. God made you. He made us incredible. I mean, look, Thursday, I lost my voice. I couldn't speak. Prayed hard about it. God showed up, but he designed my body to heal itself so that by Sunday, I had a voice again. Like God's incredible, masterful design, but God has designed all of us. And what does the Bible say? We are fearfully, and church, wonderfully made. Your pancreas is working. Your heart is working. Your lungs are working. And all of us look different. Now, some of you look like your mom and your daddy, but you still look a little bit different. You can tell the difference. And times billion, times billion. I mean, God is an amazing God of creation. My point in all of this is we need to be amazed at our God and how often we take for granted the amazing, incredible um, things that God has given us, the like everyday grace of God. I mean, he's given us grace every single day. Be amazed at him. So the next time you eat an orange or tangerine or whatever this thing has become, praise God for his creation. The next time you see a sunrise, give him praise. Praise and worship for our creator God should be a regular occurrence for us because, church, we need it. There's a reason why we need it. 
Our hearts long to worship him, and we need to do that. We'll get to that reason in just a minute, but let's not only consider, be amazed at what God created, but I also want you to be amazed at how God created it, how God created it. I need someone who's really, is creative. Do I have someone who's really creative? How about you girls? I want you girls to work on something for me. I'm gonna give you, here is a piece of foam, and here is some wire, and you guys work together. I'm gonna come back in a minute, make a bird, okay? No, don't give me that look, just do it. Here, uh, take this and that as well. And you make a bird. I'll come back in a minute. Do your best on that one. We'll see how they do. Um, a couple of truths here that I want to talk about. How God created. Now, uh, I'm going to say this kind of at the top, and just bear with me on this. Um, uh, Adam did an awesome job last week of setting the groundwork for how we interpret Scripture. Do you remember the words? We are historical, literal, grammatical, redemptive. And that is the way that we interpret Scripture. Because we, in, in other words, we read the Bible and we say, okay, that's what it means. An original author wrote it to an original people in, in a language, and that's what it means. It's not allegory, it's not anything else. And so that really drives our theology. Now I will say there are people who love God's word and even some who hold to that, that same interpretation, but they do come to different conclusions than we do and we leave some room for that. But I'm gonna unpack what we believe, what I believe and why I believe it. So first of all, I'll say this, I believe that God created everything out of nothing. God created everything out of nothing. Uh, we often refer to this using its Latin term, which is ex nihilo, and it literally means out of nothing. God created everything out of nothing. Uh, Wayne Grudem has done an awesome job in describing this. He said this, uh, that means that before God began to create the universe, nothing else existed except God himself. And he spoke and it came to be. It's implied in Genesis 1 where he said God created the heavens and the earth and, and like uh, God made all the stuff down here and God made all the stuff up there. And he did it out of nothing. It's said even more clearly in other passages. Here is John 1, 3. All things were made through him and without him was nothing, was not anything made that was made. Pretty clear, right? How about uh, Romans chapter 4? who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. God has called it all into existence and he has done it out of nothing. And that's really hard. Girls, how are we doing on the bird? Uh, I need to see it. So let's see what you got so far. Hey, that's not bad. <laughs> all right. So they got some wings and they got a little face here. Pretty incredible. I'll give them a hand for their creativity. That's nice. It deserves about that amount of, of applause, to be honest with you. Now, can you make the bird fly on its own? You can throw it, I get it, it'll fly, uh-huh, I know that. Uh, but can you make it lay eggs, and then feed its young, and then have a little beating heart, and, 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 and now I, I gave them material to work with, and, and they can't do that. No one can do that, in fact, it's impossible to do that, to create nothing or something out of nothing. There's a law of matter, law in physics, that says matter cannot be created or destroyed. You'd be like, oh yeah, well I can light the thing on fire. No, 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 you've just changed it from one thing to another thing, now it's carbon. And it's, it's incredible, but God just said, boom, and there were birds, and so here are some implications that come out of the fact that <coughs> God uh, created everything out of nothing. Number one, you know this, our God is almighty. He is amazingly powerful. God is amazingly powerful. 
In fact, I'll say this. I don't think God needed seven, or seven days, six days to create, one day to rest. I don't, I don't, he didn't need that. I was um, at a bookstore yesterday and, you know, it was taking the girls out for a date and we went down to Wabash for the bookstore and they got a theology section and there was a book on Genesis and I'm like, oh, cool. So I was reading the book on Genesis and it was like, yeah, God created it six days and he got tired so he had to rest on the seventh day. And one thing that Christians and everyone agrees is that God needed to rest. And I'm like, uh, no, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't need to rest. Now we're gonna talk all about rest next Sunday and buckle up. Sabbath is an important topic. We'll hit it next week. But I'll, I'll just say God, God could have done it all in a second. But he's amazingly powerful. I think number two in all this, it's incredible to know that everything has a purpose. God is not a willy-nilly time waster. And whatever he created, there's a reason for that creation. We're gonna get there, we're gonna talk about it, but everything has a purpose. I think a really important implication coming out of this, though, is this, that only God is eternal. Only God is eternal. That means, church, Nothing else deserves our worship. Only God existed before creation began. Only God is eternal, and we will be very careful to put our worship there and there alone. So one of the things I want you to be amazed about is how God created. So he created everything out of nothing. And I also believe this, he created everything in six days. He created everything in six days. Because that's a key question, even among conservative Bible theologians, is uh, did God, are the six days in Genesis 1, are they literal 24-hour days? Are we talking about 24 hours? Are we talking about something else? So, so Adam even said last week that God is outside of time, and you guys all understood that really clearly, no questions about that, right? It's really easy to understand that God doesn't exist in time at all. He sees it all right now, and right now, and right now, and then. And I was talking to my small group about this on, on Wednesday, and I was like, yeah, how comforting is it to know that God is in your past? And they're like, what, what? God is, yeah, he's there now. He's also in my future now. He's also right here now. And, and so that's, that's all clear and easy to understand. We all know that. Uh, so couldn't God just have made everything and took a really long time from our perspective to create everything? After all, doesn't the Bible say in Second Peter, it says this, uh, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is in one day. So God being outside of time, couldn't these be really, really long time? Which would have then allow for old earth and would then allow for maybe even theistic evolution to come into play. And uh, in fact, I have uh, professors that I were taught, and these are good Bible-believing professors, but they held to this theology called the gap theory, that there is a gap between Genesis 1, 1 and Genesis 1, 2, that, that God actually, what happened was he created a whole race of people, and they failed, so he destroyed all of them, and what we have in Genesis 1, 2 is recreation. It's called the gap theory, which will allow for old earth and all these other things, and here's what I'll say to you. I don't believe that, that, that God needed any of that. 
And what I believe, what we read in God's word in the historical, literal, grammatical, redemptive context would bring us to the simple conclusion that these are indeed 24-hour days. Let me build my case a couple of ways on that. Uh, First of all, I want you to notice this. In recounting these days, uh, we see that every day has a little numeric modifier. The first day, the second day, the third day. Now, it is true that that word day in the Hebrew can be used to mean a long period of time. In fact, in Genesis 2, he's going to say, in those days, evil was growing, da 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 and, and those days really meant a long period of time. Now, a couple of things here. You have in Genesis, not a plural, but a, but a, a singular, but also you have a numeric modifier. The first day, the second day, the third day. In, in all other Hebrew language, whenever there's a numeric modifier, it's always talking about a 24-hour period of time. So this would be the only place where there would be an exception to that rule. So again, grammatical, it's a grammar that pushes us to hold to 24 literal days. Uh, I think there's an even stronger argument, though, and I think there's an even stronger argument that comes from the text. Because he said, morning and Evening, the first day. Morning and evening, the second day. So there was a morning and there was a evening. Now, okay, but he could be the, uh, the age of morning and the age of evening. Okay, so now we're getting you know, out there and having to make all kinds of qualifiers instead of just reading it for what it says. And obviously he wanted to communicate 24 hours, evening and, or morning and evening, the first day. Morning and evening, the second day, and so forth. But then also think about this. What day did God create vegetation? It was the third day. What day did God create the sun? It was the fourth day. So what does vegetation need to survive? The sun. So if it was ages and ages and ages and ages, then all kinds of other miracles came into place. Let me just say very simply, uh, though there are good theologians that see some of these things differently. Uh, For us here, we see plainly, we believe these are six literal 24-hour days. God created this incredible world that we see, this incredible universe that we see, and he did it in six literal days. I have another argument I'm gonna lay out for you uh, next week. Uh, but take a look at creation for a second. I just had Linnea grab some pictures from the internets and uh, just some beautiful parts of creation, nebulae and oceans and incredible animals. Six days with just a word, and these things were. Our God amazing. Turn to your neighbor and say, our God is amazing. Be amazed. Because there's a reason why you need to be amazed. Let's consider this last question. So we have, what did God create? He created everything that we see. How did God create? Out of nothing in six days. 
And now the question comes up, why did God create it all? Why did he create it all? Adam was very clear last week. I think we need to remind him this week. God needs for nothing. Do you know this? He needed nothing. But he wanted something. Take a look at Revelation 4.11, which says this. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Can we read it together? Let's read it together. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created for his glory, for his honor, for his power, God created all things. For his glory. In fact, take a look at Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, there are no words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Our universe is screaming. There is a God and he is amazing. There is a God and he is incredible. There is a God and he's worthy of all the glory, all the honor, all the power, all the praise. And we were created with this longing in our heart for something beyond ourselves. Ecclesiastes says that God put eternity in our hearts. And God has put a longing in your heart for something greater than you. And as you look around this universe, you can see evidence. There is a God who is greater. There is a God who is mightier. There is a God who is more powerful. And we need to worship him. So I would say, number one, God created creation for his glory. But also, God created creation for his grace. God created creation for his, because of his grace. Uh, it's all the willpower I have in me right now not to crack this bad boy open and eat it. Um, uh, because, again, they're just absolutely delicious. And uh, who can enjoy a tangerine? Do you have to be a Christian to enjoy a tangerine? And we should do that, just so we get them all. Um, <laughs> now listen, all right, I gotta say this. Obviously, I'm speaking somewhat hyperbolically, so please don't show up this week with crates of tangerines. I know you love me. You guys are so good. Every time I mention something, all of a sudden, they'll arrive at my doorstep. It's, it's very loving of my church, and I love you very, very much, okay? I do, so, but I'm okay. I got, I'll, I'll take care of my tangerine supply issues. I'll, I got those, okay? Uh, anyway, but, like, they are delicious, and, and anybody can enjoy a delicious tangerine. Anybody gets to enjoy the air and the sunrises, and, I mean, he is such a God of grace to allow people 
who hate him to enjoy his creation. He's glorious and he's gracious. And that's why he created all things. Now, let me talk about the reason. You need to live today being amazed about God, what he created, how he created, and why he created for a very specific reason. To see it, I want you to turn in your Bibles over to Romans 1. So we're doing Romans and Acts uh, together, and uh, you're going to see why as we kind of build this case out, but I want you to go to Romans 1 for a minute. And we're going to let our eyes fall on Romans 1 and verse number 18. And you're going to see very similar language to what we just read in Psalm 19. But here is uh, Romans 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what may be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived and the things, uh, ever since the creation of the world, and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, now check this out, verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Why do we need to live amazed at God our creator? Because church, if we do not live amazed at God, we will quickly worship the creation rather than the creator. What's well, true for pagans, pastor? I mean, that's, that's what this text is talking about in Romans 1. That's what, what pagans do. They worship other things. Okay, all right. Uh, take a look at Romans 2 1 for a second. Just Romans 2 1, let your eyes fall there. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We are worshipers. Everyone say that with me. Say, we are worshipers. We're worshipers. Everybody worships. Everyone does. Those who don't know Jesus will worship all kinds of things. And I'm telling you this morning, those of us who even know the Lord can in a very quick manner allow our hearts to begin to worship and adore the creation rather than the creator and we can gather together and sing praise on Sunday, and then we can leave and struggle on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday about where our worship is going. A really interesting, awesome article I read this week from Paul Tripp, and he identified nine temptations, nine creatures we can tend to worship. 
Let me just unpack each of these. I think they're really good and really good to think about. We can worship self, right? (laughs) Absolutely. And not just the world, church. We can worship self. We can forget that life is not about us. You were brought into a world that is, by definition, a celebration of the beauty and intelligence of God and not the beauty and intelligence of us. Do you know, we can worship marriage. No human can satisfy your soul. Only God can. But how often do we place our identity in our spouse or demand from our spouse only the things that God can give us? We can worship our kids. By the way, do you know they're not your kids? God gave them to you and we're stewards of them and we can live our lives around our children and we can sing praise to God on Sunday and then put demands on them to fulfill our hearts all throughout the week. Success. God calls you to be fruitful and productive. That's absolutely true. But God does not call you to worship your fruitfulness and your productivity. And you know you're struggling with worshiping success if a lack of success has you in depression. Renown. I just want to be known. I just want to make my mark. I want to, I, I want to, to leave a legacy. It's not about your legacy. And it can become about that. And that creature can begin to be your object of worship. Comfort. You're never going to find paradise in a fallen world. <laughs> Ever going to find paradise in a fallen world. And the gospel would call us at times to be uncomfortable. We can worship excitement. I mean, go ahead and buy the season tickets. Go ahead and watch the football games. Uh, we, we love football in our house. But I'm telling you, if a touchdown excites you more than the life-transforming ministry of the local church, you need to reevaluate your eternal priorities. Leisure. Again, I'm not... A, I'm not at all opposed to relaxing. And in fact, next week we're talking a lot about Sabbath. But it's not the object of my worship or my pleasure, all those things. Scott, go ahead and come up, bud. Uh, Here's a test for you. I found myself saying this a lot this week. I need some strength. So tomorrow morning I wake up, man, I need strength to make it through the day. I'm so glad I have. Coffee. <laughs> Caffeine. Man, I'm exhausted from a tough week. I need some peace and some comfort. Praise God I have. Tangerines. <laughs> That'll do it. My soul is discouraged. I need to feel better. I'm gonna go to, do you see it? We are worshipers and our hearts long for something and need something. Now, does that mean that coffee is sin and you gotta give up coffee? You'll be relieved to know that no, I don't believe that's the case. But how about this tomorrow? As you sip that cup of coffee filled with glorious caffeine, to fuel your day, would you just take a minute and say, God, thank you 
that you made this plant that has a little berry on it, and then that berry is a little seed, and that seed, when roasted and, and ground up and brewed, is delicious. God, thank you for coffee. God, thank you that you gave us entertainment. May my entertainment be pleasing to your sight. But Lord, may this just be a, a way that I thank you for what you've given us. You've given us TVs. You've given us all the streaming things that we could ever possibly want. And, and, and thank you for what you've given us. And God, when my soul's discouraged, I have you. And I'm gonna run to you and I'm gonna let you be the object of my worship. See, the whole point of creation is so that we would not end our adoration or our reliance on these objects, but they would point us back to the creator to worship him. And so to end our time today, we're just gonna do that. We're just going to worship. So God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your creation. Thank you for all you've given us. And Lord, help us to remember from who they come and who deserves the adoration and who deserves the praise. And we'll give it to you in Jesus' name.